0: It's important to grasp this notion of doom-seeking behavior or doom-seeking motivation correctly. It's very easy to misunderstand it and confuse it with less profound notions such as the notion of self-destructive behavior. We all understand that human beings have this self-destructive behaviour or tendency towards it. But this isn't the same thing at all. Doom-seeking motivation is motivation that belongs to the rational ego or purposeful self and can't be separated from it. So there's no way we can be a rational ego or purposeful self without participating in doom seeking behaviour. And we could go so far as to say that this is a fundamental principle or fundamental law, just as long as we're identified with this purposeful self. Then our trajectory is always going to be in the direction of our doom. Which might sound like something of a bizarre statement, but it might not, depending on how you look at it. From the point of view of therapy, to grasp this is crucially important. Because most workers in the field of mental health would definitely tell you it's possible to achieve good mental health through your own efforts, through your own hard work, through your own determination, through your own volition, i.e. that it is something we can actually do on purpose, i.e. it is something we can make a goal of etc etc. Most workers in the field of mental health will definitely say that to you and by the same token there's very few therapists that will say to you you cannot make a goal of mental health and you cannot move in the direction of good mental health deliberately by design by calculation on purpose by effort of will by volition etc etc that's a message you don't we don't tend to hear very much at all so when we understand it like this it puts everything in a whole different um, light it puts therapy in a whole different light And it's such a big challenge to our way of looking at everything, it's hard to swallow, it's hard to take on. So before we go into it a little bit more, just to tie this in with the other way of talking about exactly the same thing, which is to talk about the crazy train. Now the whole idea of the crazy train is that it's locked onto its tracks, as trains always are locked onto their tracks until the point when they come off them maybe, and that it can't slow down, it can speed up but it can't slow down so it's locked on to its target and of course the target of the crazy train is its doom and the doom of all those who travel in it. So it's hurtling along the tracks nothing can stop it there's no brakes nothing 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 can stop it it only knows one thing and that's hurtling towards its doom hurtling down the tracks so you're on this train god knows what's happened to the driver either he's gone crazy or he's not there anymore and you can see you're heading for this great Huge bridge over a ravine, this immense ravine and there's this bridge that's supposed to go over it but it's broken. Some catastrophe has broken the bridge and that's just a symbol for saying that we're locked onto our doom, that we're targeting our doom because that's our doom of course if we're in this train that's traveling at an incredible speed and can't be stopped and it's heading for a broken bridge over a ravine. That's a perfectly good um, symbolic way of talking about our doom. So this is a great motif because it resonates. It's like Stephen King's story of blame them on This is the story of a crazy train that wants to kill everyone in it and which travels very very fast with one aim in mind and that is to smash into smash into the end of the tracks whatever is on the end of the tracks. So this is an easy to understand idea and it fills us with a kind of a thrill of horror because that's why we like the idea of the crazy train. Because the crazy crazy train only stops when it goes off the rails. And that means it stops in a bad way. And so what we're applying the crazy train to is of course the self-construct. The The self-construct is and always will be a crazy train. It is and always will be a doom-seeking missile. We're stuck in it And it's not like we're stuck in it looking out the window thinking oh my god I'm stuck in it how do I get off because we're hypnotized we don't know we're stuck on it we don't know anything of the sort and we don't know anything about the fact that we're heading to our doom and the reason we don't is because we have a totally delusory or hallucinatory perception that we're actually going in a good place in a good direction and good stuff's going to happen when we get there So we've been sold a false idea of what's happening and we totally believe that false idea, we're totally okay about it and that's why we're not feeling particularly anxious or anxious at all. We're looking forward to getting to wherever it is that we think we're going. So this sounds like a very strange kind of thing, so why should the self-construct be like like this? Why should it be like a doom-seeking missile? And the answer is it doesn't have to be. It only is when we think it's who we are. Because when we think it's who we are we act solely on its behalf and all our energies go on doing What's good for it, or working towards its advantage. So in that case, the self construct isn't something we're using as a means of navigating the phenomenal world as a as a helpful kind of a thing. It's not serving us. We are serving it because we think we are it. That's the um, the whole idea of identification right there, that's what happens when we identify with the self-construct and so this is a big mistake because to do everything on behalf of who we're not and to do everything on behalf of something which is not, because it doesn't exist, is putting all of our eggs in the wrong basket, or putting all of our eggs in the same basket, when that basket happens to be a basket that's going to, the bottom's going to fall out of it, and then that's going to be the end of our eggs. So if we express it like that, so as to say the self-construct isn't who we are, and it isn't anything at all, because it has the same relationship to who we are, our nature, true nature, as a map does to the actual territory. It stands for it, but it isn't it. It's a symbol for it, a sign for it, and that's okay. It's okay to have symbols for things, signs for things. Why wouldn't we? But then when we get stuck in, get eaten up, by Baudrillard's hyper-reality, then we think the sign is the thing and we do everything for the sign, even when that is costing. Um, it's costing us in terms of harm and, and neglect as regards our true nature, because we can't do the two things at the same time. If we cherish false idea of who we are, this is the very same thing as trashing our actual nature, disregarding it, neglecting it, turning our backs on it, not giving a damn about it. So we cherish the one and we we, um, disregard the other. So that pretty well explains why we're talking about doom-seeking behaviour because the self-construct, once we're in that um, vehicle, once we're identified with it, the mechanics of the situation are that everything we think and everything we do is always coming from the point of view of what can benefit this vehicle, what can benefit this construct, what can benefit this idea of me. So when we say the self-construct is inherently selfish that's what we mean. It has this point of view, this point of reference, this basic agenda to benefit itself or seek advantage for itself and that's what its viewpoint is all about and there is no other viewpoint in it and there's no other possibility of another viewpoint in it. So we locked into that. And so therapy wise coming back to the the question of bringing into play this a whole new paradigm of therapy. Therapy wise what this means is that everything that I, everything That I rationally think about, is all for the benefit of the self-construct. Everything I do, no matter what I do, all my purposeful behavior is for the benefit of the self-construct. And so what I'm saying there really is that anything I suddenly think, oh I know I'll do this, I'll do that, or this is a good idea, therefore I'll do that. Any type of purposeful behavior at all always comes from the purposeful self. So any type of deliberate purposeful action always, always, always jinxes us, always takes us away from our true benefit. So that means there's two things we can't do without making the problem worse, or without jinxing ourselves further, or without heading further down the tracks towards our cataclysmic doom. So I can't think about anything because as soon as I start thinking about something, rationalizing about something, that's the ego construct. and The ego construct is the same thing as the mind which constructs it, the they're not separate things. And anytime I do anything because my purposeful doing is based on an idea or a plan or a theory that's also the purposeful self for the you know, ego construct. <clears throat> so this is tricky, as I was saying before, this is really tricky because that's just about all we know is the rational mind and the and the purposeful doing that comes out of that rational mind that's about it really what else have we got it's absolutely can't be anything other than the case that most of the time when we go into therapy it involves two things it involves some kind of thinking we have to think in some kind of particular way and it involves doing I we have to do stuff in a particular way. So most of what passes for therapy in these days is a special type of thinking which gives rise to a special type of behavior or activity that is supposed to be health seeking rather than doom seeking, but of course it isn't. because no matter what we're always trying to promote the health of the self, we're always trying to promote the health of the ego construct and that's our premise that's our basis and so that's the jinx right there that's the fundamental jinx because the self or the ego construct it's good what is good for it is not good for us was always when we clearly focus on what the paradigm shift of negative psychotherapy involves, we end up in this situation where it really really does seem like we've hit a brick wall and and we might as well just throw our hands up in despair and um, give up on the whole damn thing. And I don't mean give up in a good way, it's enough to make us just Maybe go back to believing in helpful, optimistic delusions about how that ego construct has a glorious future, possibly, if we play our cards right. So we'd be tempted to go back to that, to that naive fiction, to that, um, to the rose tinted spectacles that we usually see the world through, that we almost always do see the world through. But actually there is a way through this and it's a very very simple way and it's a very very clear way if we can just get the gist of it. And what that way is, is to carry on in our lives as the self, as the ego construct we perceive ourselves to be and think ourselves to be because we can't do anything about that we can't change that that's our situation and so we have to respect it and not fantasize about some other type of being that we can just press a button and switch to a non-egoic type of being because we aren't going to do that that's kind of an ego fantasy the ego always likes to fantasize about enlightenment or a non-egoic state of being That's how it makes itself bearable to itself. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that all egos like to fantasize about non-egoic existence. Just the spiritual type of egos. The -the run-of-the-mill type ego just fantasizes about how great things are going to be when it gets what it wants, regardless of whatever the hell it wants. But it's got this kind of fantasy running that when it gets what it wants, then that'll be great. And that fantasy is good enough, keep on using that, keep on using that, <clears throat> it's a perennial carrot dangling in front of your nose, when I reach my goal then it'll be great. So obviously the ego knows it's not great as it, is, as it stands as it is, it's pretty much unbearable, but the carrot makes it bearable because we're always chasing the carrot and we always totally believe that <clears throat> we're gonna one day catch up with the carrot and being able to eat it. That's what keeps us going. That's um, what keeps mechanical existence going. That's extrinsic motivation. And if it happens that we get a a bit of insight and start realizing I'm never going to get this thing that I need to make my existence bearable and I'm never going to find the fulfillment that I'm yearning for so much. Then the whole of mechanical motivation is called into question. It's kind of jeopardised, and we call that depression. It's like, oh my God, this person's really depressed. What can we do to um, get them back to how they were before, when they did believe in the character? So that's our that's our um, natural response to depression. It frightens us because we know we're vulnerable to it as well because we know we're only continuing with our mechanical existence via this very um, very precarious trick of believing something that isn't true. Of course when I say that we know it, we don't really know it. Or rather we don't know it in any way that we know we know it. But somehow we must, um, we must know it because we shouldn't be so Brightened of depression otherwise. So we're smarter than we know we are, but we don't want to know about the fact that we're smarter than we know we are. So coming back to what this paradigm shift entails. What we can say is that it entails being aware of the process of doom-seeking behaviour, without trying to change it, without trying to um, do something about it, but just being aware of it or um, observant of it, without any fantasies, without running any fantasies. so the number one fantasy is, oh I'm going to a good place, it's all going to be great, and the other fantasy could be, oh I'm going to do all this stuff, whatever it is, therapy or maybe some spiritual type stuff, and that's going to make me go to a good place because I'm going to spiritualize everything, and that's also a fantasy. The truth is not um, made out of rainbows, it's not multicolored rainbows and unicorns like that, the truth is actually to see the enactment of what's going on, which is the dream-seeking behaviour. Which isn't like, um, so easy to do naturally enough. It's not so appealing to us. Okay, thanks for watching.